Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Dog On, and I'm Jason Connell. On the show today, I'm joined by special guest, Sal Rodriguez. Thank you, Jason. Well, Sal, I always have you on it, so it seems, when I launch a new show. <laughs> yes. And here we are. And I'm usually honored, and I'm even more honored for this one. Well, thank you. Thank you. This show, the concept and the name of the show date back to when I was launching Just Curious Media. Oh, yeah. I probably told you about it even before you were involved in Just Curious Media. I was coming up with different show ideas and was like, you know, I'm very much a dog person. Yep. Have been for much of my life. I've raised two incredible dogs as an adult. Had dogs growing up, family dogs, of course. But two that I named, raised the whole bit, and you knew one of them. Sure. Brody, back in the day. Oh, yeah. So... This show was kind of just sitting there idling because what happened was we got busy doing Let's Talk Cobra Kai, and that led to now we're over 100 episodes, so kudos to us and the show, and we were involved in that show before Netflix got involved with Cobra Kai, and it became even more popular. Now that you mention it, Cobra Kai needs a dog. (laughs) There's no dog on Cobra Kai. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And so we also launched That's a Crime, a really fun crime show that we do. And there was always Let's Talk Movies. So very pop culture-y, a lot of fun, great stuff, entertainment. But I was always going to round out Just Curious Media with more shows and just different offerings. And so one was this show called Dog On. And the concept for the show is or the synopsis is a dog lover's podcast devoted to honoring the lives and memories of man's best friend. And so you say that to some people and they're like, oh my God, that could be incredible. And others are like, whoa, it's like watching the movie Marley and me. They know it could evoke uh, emotions and, uh, and sadness. And so I nearly launched this show, Sal, in 2019, I, you know, you don't know how things are going to go. We were just doing Cobra Kai each episode, you know, of the seasons. That's all we were going to do. Yeah. We now do special features and we have it going as a weekly show. But there was moments where I was like, okay, I was working on another show called Pop Finance. And you're just kind of trying to figure and navigate a new venture out. So I had a person that contacted me. We were still, this was pre-pandemic. And I was going to have him on the show, but I didn't have episode two, three. I didn't have the format. Timing didn't work out, and it just kind of got shelved. It happens. So I have been thinking about this show more and more over the last, I don't know, six, seven months. Now that we're kind of a well-oiled machine, maybe it's time to bring this show in. But then it's like, well, where do you get people? You know, it's not just easy. It's not like, hey, Sal, you and I can just talk about Cobra Kai or or this crime, or it's like, oh, there's another layer involved. And then kind of out of nowhere, real life happens, right? Yeah. And my super healthy dog, Nicholas Nico Connell, this beautiful, a beautiful white German shepherd that I've raised since puppyhood, passed away very recently, two weeks to the day of this recording. And so we're going to get into his life, and that's the whole purpose of the show, is to mourn and to share and to grieve and tell stories and the highs and lows. And hey, we're still figuring this format out, but this is still new and fresh to me, and I wanted to honor him. And the moment, you know, after I kind of realized what was happening, because he got sick and it all happened very quickly, but when I had a moment of clarity, I thought, Sal, this is, uh," I told Sophia, 
I have to do this show now. And now meaning like and honor Nico in the first episode. It will just be that spark that could help so many others. Oh, yeah. The operative word, I think, is sharing, like you said. Yeah, yeah. We share, you share in our grieving. They share in our grieving. We share in their grieving. We're all grieving together in a way. Totally. And I was like, this is not an opportunity. It just felt like my calling to do this, Nico's calling. What would be a better point to say, hey, this happened to me. I'm going to go on this journey and share, and maybe others would want to follow that. Like, well, he can do it, and and I understand the framework of this. And who knows? This show could go so many episodes and just kind of fade away, but hopefully it will help heal me yeah. and maybe anybody else listening in some regard, or at least reflect on their dog and their life, uh, current or past or from their childhood or something. I mean, I was even thinking, well, I'll do like nine episodes and maybe I'll do one for Brody, Brody Connell, my chocolate Labrador retriever that I lost in 2013. Now that's been a while, but I was thinking, yeah, well, how could I honor him? So this was, I was blindsided by these current events, what took place most recently. You have been talking about this show for a long time. Who would have guessed that you would, in a sense, be the first guest? Yeah. It's a timing thing. The timing is right, right now. Yeah, it is. And so here we are. And so anybody listening to this first episode or whenever you are, still navigating here. This first episode is also going to give the backstory of the show itself. Obviously, if we move forward and get more guests, it'll be more streamlined. But Brody... My other dog, like I mentioned, did pass away in September of 2013 at 12 years old, and he had a great run, great life. And I always had this assumption that Nico would be in that family. Now, they're bigger dogs. Brody was over 100 pounds. Nico was a bigger dog, and I'll get into his stats and background. But I was always planning, you know, this guy, his grandparents were still alive when I got him. His parents were alive 12, 13, 14. So he got taken to me much earlier than that. So again, just out of nowhere. and. To say that I'm in the middle of grieving, I don't even know where I am in that (laughs) scope, but there's much more to go, much more grieving and loss. And it's like, Brody had gotten sick and lived a little bit longer. I wouldn't say it makes it easier, Sal, but at the same time, it's less shocking. So Brody had, what, a diagnosis and then until his final demise was how long? About a year, I knew something oh, was coming, yeah. like nine months, 12 months, and they're, they're like, yeah, this is only going to get worse. But yeah. I'm thinking, you know, he's about to turn 12. and So you don't feel better, but at the same time, maybe it's to be expected at some point. It's a little more time to brace yourself, you know? You're- and I brace myself for that long, yeah. and then we'll get into the timeline here, and it's just like, huh? Yeah. What? And then it's life, though. I mean, some dogs are hit by a car. Sure. Healthy as anything. And then a real tragedy. What I mean, it just a sudden tragedy. There's zero time to brace for that. Yep. So I relishing and cherishing all the memories I have, but the sting and the pain and the loss, all of that we're dealing with. So I really want this show to, you know, celebrate Nico's life, but also how I'm trying to deal with his loss. Sure. Know, the show is called Dog On. Yeah. And yeah, it's a play on words, and I think it's clever and touching and meaningful and anyone who's had a dog has most likely lost a dog and and people can relate sure there's so many talking points yeah when it comes to this topic you know you have yep. nico himself right yep you have you you have your relationship 
You have how you grieve, and then you get into how other people grieve, how yeah. maybe men are supposed to grieve versus how women are supposed to grieve, and how your friends will comfort you or attempt to comfort you, or things that they say or don't say. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unravel here. So much is unspoken. So much. I mean, I told my friends, I've been making friends out here in the Boston area and sports friends mainly, it seems, basketball friends, soccer friends. And yeah, I mean, they're like, hey, man, and I'm just getting to know these guys. And yeah. I told them because yeah, that's just who I am when it happened, you know, and they said, oh, you know, everyone, they've been there. And it was nice to hear, oh my gosh, I lost my dog six months ago or a year ago, or it kind of bonds you more, but really it doesn't go much deeper than that. No one wants to get into how they really feel or no one wants to get into, especially a bunch of guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I'm talking about. To start yeah. crying and the wires are still raw, you know, yeah. like, zzz, but I'm not going to go dump that on them. It's just, it's kind of taboo, Sal. No, you know? and you know what, what I would like to do in grieving, what I personally would like to do when I grieve, I would just like to like go to some island and just totally just like shut down yeah. for a month or two at least, you know, and then come back and here I am now, yeah. you know, but yeah. I feel like we need that. Instead, we got to go about our lives. We got to conduct our business. <laughs> right. We got to keep going. We got a yeah. podcast. You know what I mean? We keep doing our thing. And I really feel like that's one of the things people do is you just go about your lives and you just hope that the pain diminishes over time. You know, yeah. but there are different practices and ideals that people have about this very topic. Yeah. And I'm no expert. I'm not here to say I know anything other than I'm a podcaster, I'm a dog lover, and I want to share his story and my story, you know, our story, essentially, Nico and myself, yeah. the best I can. And that I'm going to attempt to do. So let's go back. I lose a dog in 2013. I purchased a home. I was in another relationship. This is forever ago. I purchased a home in spring of 2014. And that itch started to, I wanted to scratch that itch of like, oh, you know, it's missing a dog. Yeah. You know, it'd been nine months plus. I thought I might, you never know. You just know it's time when you're ready. Sure. And then when I felt that, that urge to oh, this new house, this new kind of passage in life, then the research began. And immediately, I wanted to get another chocolate Labrador Retriever. I had one as a kid. Brody was my first adult dog, and he meant everything to me. He moved to L.A. with me. So he was like that part of my life. And was even contacting the breeder and just thought, wait a second. This is a chance to to not replicate Brody. Maybe I get a different breed that I've also been intrigued by. Yeah. And I happened to be watching the show Game of Thrones at the time. Around that time, you know, it was on for many years. And and there was uh, these dogs or more wolves. And one was named Ghost. And he was white. And it was gorgeous and huge if you watch the show, like bigger than life. These aren't just normal dogs or wolves. But yeah. So I just kind of planted that seed, like, well, I've always been interested in German Shepherds. They're just like a lab in the way that they're smart and trainable and family dogs and all these things, and they can learn lots of words, but they have that protection gene where the lab may or may not. Hmm. Yeah. Started looking online, and that led me to a breeder that special. I know, people might get mad about this, I know, but I did find a breeder that had white German Shepherds, also known as Alsatians. And it was in the middle of the country. It was in Missouri, this particular breeder. But I talked to them. 
it was a horse farm. They're ethical, the way they did everything. And yeah, it wasn't a puppy a, mill. It wasn't a puppy mill, yeah. a factory. No, it was like they wouldn't even breed that much. And I just thought, well, I, I wouldn't mind having good stock. Brody was AKC registered. I wanted to do the same for Nico. It's all I know. I, you know, I've only had at the time one adult dog, so I was getting a second. But I also wanted to raise him from puppyhood. I'm up for that. Can challenge. I just qualify real quick? My sister breeds dogs. Oh, okay. My sister's a dog breeder. Believe me, I know it's a, sort of a topic that some people. Yeah, I know people talk about it. You know what I mean? Right. So right. no, I just want to say my sister's a dog breeder. I've been to dog shows. I've been at birthings. So you know, I've been there. Yeah. Okay. As my preference, so I was on a trip in Oklahoma visiting family and was like, hey, maybe now's the time and found them and set this thing up. And when I was leaving Oklahoma, I would basically drive. It was going to be two hours and they agreed to meet me. They would drive one hour and save my time because I'm going to go pick him up and then just head on my way all the way back to sure. California. It wasn't like a bed and breakfast where you can go like stay there. No, that would have been nice. Yeah. And they really were trying to pitch me or sell me on the other male. They uh, only had two big males. I was like, oh, yeah, two would be cool. Were two they would siblings? Be cool, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's well, cool. I really thought long and hard about it, but I was like, you know, I have always had the one. I know yeah. what that's like. And it's a lot of work because we would do training and Nico and I would. And so I went with Nico and I had no name for a little while. And it, on his name, to be clear, it's Nicolas, which is German. Yeah. The German shepherd. My last name is on his paper. So I always went with Connell. Yeah. And then but you can't say Nicolas a thousand times, Sal. When you have a dog, you got to have a name that's like, you know, Brody was great. Brody, Brody. So it became Nico. And I knew that right away. It wasn't just by happenstance. It was like, we may have come up with Nico first and then Nicolas later to kind of have the German roots. Because Nico is actually Japanese and it means sunlight. And so it was kind of funny because if I say his name's Nico, someone's like, oh, well, you know, it's Japanese. So then I tell the whole German story. But anyway, that's how he got his names. Of course, he was a male dog. I like the bigger dogs. Yeah. His father was 120 pounds. His mother was 100 pounds. So I was always like, come on, Nico. You know, I want you to be a big boy. Yeah. And he did get to 120 pounds. So, and then he would kind of fluctuate a little bit because he was super active. But he was born on June 7th. 2014. And I met him on August 27th, 2014. The day that I drove up to Missouri and they met me at some gas station, basically just said, here he is. And he's this big. I mean, this guy's huge, but he's still in a hand, wow. you know, kind of an arm. Yeah. And so I got him and he'd only been in a car that day. And here he is on a three-day trek and it doesn't know me from anything. Yeah. And we're bonding right out of Had he had car rides before that? Just to get to me. So the second car ride was with you? The second car ride. Wow. And he handled it well, brilliantly. Some yeah. dogs, they get upset stomachs, they might vomit, well, but he yeah. was like champ. And something about the German Shepherds, I also wanted to say, I, was, I know this, but some of those traits that intrigued me, which I pulled this online or offline, intelligent, curious, stubborn, alert, obedient, loyal, confident, protective, courageous, and watchful. All true. And that might be true about a lot of dogs, but especially true with Nico and German Shepherds. They want a job. They need to feel part of the family. They figure things out and they do have that protective gene about them. Anybody's going to come up on the set, come in the house or whatever. They're not going to bite first, but they're going to bark and protect. And once they know it's all good, hey, you're their buddy. Yeah. 
it's kind of amazing to see how breeds, different breeds respond in different situations. But oh yeah, the Missouri is the show me state, which I always get a kick out of. You see it on license. I always thought that was funny. So that's the beginning. You know, again, this is new ground for me, but like all dogs, I mean, yes, that puppyhood phase is fast, Sal. I mean, they go, I was just taking photos and videos of him every day. And it's like, oh my gosh, they're sleeping, they're growing. They're sleeping, they're growing. I mean, he had these huge ears. And by the way, I'm going to post photos of all dogs on Doggone on the Instagram. So I'll share that at the end, which is really just going to be Doggone Podcast. You can find it on Instagram, Facebook as well. But he's beautiful white shepherd. When I first got him, though, he had these huge ears and he kind of had to grow into them. I think the ears were full grown and you don't do anything. They stand up on their own for a shepherd. Some dogs, you have to cut them. Yeah, yeah, they do the cropping, are, yeah. These are just... And it was hilarious. It's like, he kind of looks like a rabbit. So I have these photos of him riding shotgun, tiny little guy, huge ears and and big paws. So I knew he had some growing to do, to say the least. It was uh, It was quite funny. Yeah, you've seen photos though, Sal. No, so. you know what though? I haven't seen any photos of Nico from puppyhood until today. I saw a couple, I think, on on Instagram. But before today, I don't think that I've seen any puppyhood photos. Well, I encourage you to go to Nico White Shepherd, N-I-K-O White Shepherd, and you can see some of them. So yeah, yeah very, there's some puppy shots in there. Can I just say, very handsome dog. Thank you. Very handsome. Yeah, we would get stopped by cars because he does look a, he's very good looking, and B, it's unusual to see a white German Shepherd. Some people are like, that's not a husky. That's what people think. That's what I thought. very different. Yeah. Well, when you look at them, though, and you know dogs, you know that's not a husky with the shape and the body and the head. It's just not. Like, yeah. They have smaller ears, they have fluffier t- There's There's a difference. And so I would, a lot of times, this happened, I mean, a ton. I can't say every day, but it happens a lot. Either a car pulls over or someone comes over and it's like, oh my God, he's gorgeous. What is he? Or or they had a white shepherd, mm. they spotted him immediately and they want to bond. I mean, dogs are such bonding animals that people want to come over, they oh, want to share their stories. The, the only it's, people it's in my neighborhood endless. that have a civil conversations in my neighborhood are, are dog walkers. The, the totally. Dog walkers commensurate with each other. They you do. Know? If you're not walking down the street here with a dog, no, no one's going to talk to you. Yeah. If you're without a dog, forget it. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> So on the intelligent thing, well, we went to puppy kindergarten together. I did the same thing with Brody because it had been a while since I trained a dog. Think about it. You know, I had trained a dog since 2001. Here I am in 2014. It's like, I read three books about German shepherds. And then I read, oh, what's that famous dog whisperer? Oh, Caesar Milan. TV show. I read one of his books because yes. he deals with all different breeds. Yep. Yeah, of course it's Caesar Milan. Sorry. But went to classes. He was like head of the class. It was really fun. They're really just training me is sure. what's happening. Well, that's what Cesar Milan says. You have to train the, the yeah. owners. Yeah. yeah. This is not one of those places that you drop your dog off and come back in their train. Yeah, no, yeah. we go through it together and, and he was really great. And he started doing, of course, he could sit, stay, roll over, shake with both paws, high five with both paws. He also did this prey thing, which was so cute. Yeah. I have videos of this. He would hop up and then do his hands like this in your hand and pray and then expect the treat after he ran the whole gamut of these things, which is hysterical. And then he could speak on command, which I really loved. A lot of footage of that, which I'll have to put some of those up on online. But you get through that and you've got to 
and he understands different words. I didn't keep it going, though. Brody did have one claim to fame that Nico was not interested in, but Brody could go to the refrigerator, open it, and get a beer, which (laughs) you saw him do, I'm sure, at one of our parties. They heard me talk about it. It's true. He really could. Labrador's a little different. They'll like, oh, yeah, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to do this. He would go in there, open it, bring a beer, canned beer, and bring it to you. But Nico never liked the fridge. He's like, yeah, I don't want to open this. He said he was not interested in doing that trick, but he could do other things. Wait, hang on. Let me ask you, Jason. Did you do... In years past, I've seen people training German Shepherds, and they do... I think they do with Dobermans, too, because I think Doberman's German also. They do the German words, the German commands. Did you do any of that? Yeah. Initially, I would do that. I'd be like, Achtung! Or different yeah. things and tell him. But then we just got away from it. So I would just say things like, go look. And go look meant like run around the house and look at... Because <laughs> our old house in LA, you could like oversee like the neighborhood below and across the street. So he would go to all the... And there's a lot of windows. He would go to all the windows and check them. So that was his job from like one and two. Yeah, I'm So I just kind of... I kind of went American. <laughs> English, I should say. I got away from the German words, but I thought it was cool. If I was going to make him a full-on guard dog, which I was not, I was making a family dog, a Frisbee dog. But yeah, he easily could have picked that up, but he did know the English words. So yeah, go look. And he'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go check this out. It's hilarious to see him running around the house with a job to do. A couple of great things about him as well. Never once did he ever attempt to get on any furniture, Sal. I didn't have to stop him, not warn him. He just didn't care for it. He kind of, you know, German Shepherds, he's running kind of hot. He wants to be low to the ground. We always had hardwood floors or some sort of stained concrete. So he just loved the floor, never wanted to get on the bed. So I was like, this is easy. Never destroyed anything that wasn't his. Well, Jason, this is where we kind of diverge because when I have a pet, I'm like, get on the bed and sleep with me right now. That's He's why you're here. You're, come on, let's go. 20 pound dog. <laughs> it is a difficult thing, Sal. Did you have to brush him a lot? Oh, yeah. He had two coats. Uh-huh. I was brushing him daily, definitely every other day or every third day, like different times of the year. Yeah. Oh, was, every day I was sweeping or running the vacuum. So he would have been a, it was a, it was a bed, routine. I mean, it wasn't, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't terrible in the house because I had kept it up and I, he, we play outside. We're super active and I was brushing him. But yeah, the bed would have been destroyed. Yeah. So I wasn't into that. He was a super athlete. Nico was a champion frisbee ball catcher. Not being a retriever, I wasn't sure if he would take to it, but I play a ton of frisbee from my disc golf days, ultimate days, and he has special frisbees that he inherited from Brody, which was nice. But Brody would bring you the frisbee back and want you to throw it again. Yeah. Nico, not so much. He has the one, you better have one more, and then he dropped the one for the one in your hand and catch it. And then you just got to walk over and take the other one away. So it was a different game. <laughs> but it was like on his terms. Oh, and then when, if he ever got two, Sal, come get me. He had leverage. He knew. So you'd have to have a third one. Uh-huh. And then he'd weigh, does one, him throwing at me, catching it, outweigh me having two. You'd mm-hmm. see him think about these things. Yep. It was hilarious. That's very intelligent. That's the Stanford Marshmallow game that they would do with the kids or or Stanford marshmallow test where they would get the kids in the lab. They would say, here's a marshmallow. If you leave the marshmallow alone in 20 minutes, I come back with two marshmallows or you could have the marshmallow. And then they'd leave and then you see the kid. uh, 
It's like that. What do I do? And they say it's a sign of delayed gratification, and delayed gratification is supposedly a sign of intelligence, they say. Yeah, well, he knew. Then I'd have to really entice him to catch it in the air, like, check this out. You love this. And he loved doing that so much, he would give up the goods for the, unless he was done for the day. And then he just, he would finally just drop them and go inside. So he was just, he was incredible at it, Sal. I have so much footage of him catching frisbees. I have a GoPro, some funny shots. I put it all over the yard or my iPhone. So more fun things to view. He was a cross country road trip warrior. You couldn't have had a better co-pilot. Never asked to go to the restroom. I mean, we stopped. I was worried about him. Yeah. He won't say a peep. We went from California to Minnesota, not in one swoop. We'd stop and stay in like like Havasu, Santa Fe, Iowa, Colorado. We would stop along the way and enjoy ourselves, meet people or meet friends. But he was amazing. That whole road trip and back from California to Oklahoma when I moved there during the pandemic just to check on family and do things, here he is, my co-pilot, in a U-Haul that time, never one complaint. Oklahoma to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania to Massachusetts, where I live now. And then most recently, his last big road trip was Massachusetts to Florida and back. Loved it. The guy was amazing on road trips. Jason, Nico has seen more of the U.S. than I have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. He, yeah, he's just like, he's spotting uh, license plates. And, yeah, oh, yeah was that play, playing the buggy yeah. game. Yeah, yeah he's doing game. all that. Now, he was always, my dogs, I had several cars with Nico, but he was always in the very back. I, I dedicated the back of an SUV to him, for him. Padded it out, plenty of height. These are always bigger SUVs, FJ Cruiser, and I now have a a really great Grand Cherokee. So he had plenty of room to move around. I put nothing back there with him besides his beds and his comfort zone. Yeah. So when you're traveling cross country, you're taking the back seat and that's it. You know, you don't get the very back, which is designed for cargo, but he was the precious cargo. So he didn't like the passenger seat? He's so big. I wanted to give him that you could turn around. Yeah. And so, no, I, I didn't put dogs in the second seat probably safer back there too i'm thinking much safer i would think yeah and i keep the window down but if he needs air i just put the back windows down quiet as can be so never a complaint not one i'm even saying hey do you want to stop and we'll go potty soon and you see it pop up just kind of throw him a bone there and then we would get out at rest stops and whatnot also Sal, this is something that i'm still dealing with because uh if I left the house for five hours or five minutes, I'm going to get greeted by him running down the stairs like he hadn't seen me in forever. And that's something that you just can never get enough of. And one of the primary differences between dogs and cats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cats are like, oh, it's you again? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. You again? Back so soon? <laughs> Yeah, there is a difference in the, in the two. So yeah, the dogs probably, unfortunately, they run a little bit on the anxiety side. You know, they have that fear you're never coming home, separation anxiety. But it's so cute. <sighs> hey, and hang I miss on, it hang so on, much. Jason. That goes a little both ways because I think I always have a fear that what if I don't come back home? What if I don't come back home? You know. Well, there's that. Let me put a little, little extra water out. Let me let me make sure the dry food's filled. You know. Let me make sure that if I didn't come back, they'd be okay for a few days. I think about that too. I would always have him go to the restroom again before I left. I would always make sure he had enough. He was so good though, Sal. He wouldn't eat or drink the minute we left. Unless he was finishing dinner and I was like, I'll see you later. You'd come home and he'd see you 
He'd go potty, he'd come in, and he'd drink for a whole minute. He knew if he drank and ate, he didn't really know when I'm popping back in. Mm. So he figured it out, and it was in a holding pattern. Yeah, very smart. Now, in one house in LA, which was really cool because of the climate and the access to this big backyard, and I could leave this door open through the garage, he had access. And I love that. When you get to other parts of the country, and the climate is not as just stable, Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that here. But I don't leave him for long stints, or I did not do that. So very smart. Figured it out. Oh, you're going to go? I'm going to hold off on drinking. He doesn't even take the risk. Mm -hmm. Here's uh, questions he loved, Sal. Questions. (laughs) Uh, He loved these things. Do you want to go outside? It's like he could be in a deep sleep. And just that was like, he'd do a spin, he's up, and oh my gosh, it was hilarious. Or very similar, do you want to go for a walk? Or maybe the biggest of them all is, do you want to go for a ride? He could be in the backyard with three Frisbees, holding them back from me, you know, keeping them away. I could say, you want to go for a ride, and he's dropping them, and he's running to go get in the back of the SUV. So cute. So predictable, Yeah. right? So predictably amazing. But I like how he can distinguish between... The phrases. Yeah, he knew the difference. A ride. Well, he loves going around town. It could be a five-minute ride, or we can go across country. Did you ever take him for a walk? Because you got that new electric bike. Was he ever alongside on any of your rides when you were on the e-bike? I didn't introduce that. Too complicated. Yeah. Him and I would just go for long walks. He saw the bike, or he would see, back in the day, he would see my scooter, but I never... Never incorporated them. He's just so big, Sal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a little foo-foo dog, you know, maybe you could carry them. And he's just uh, like another, like a person, yeah. right? So. No, I think I weighed about 120 in middle school. <laughs> exactly. Or he would also like questions like, do you want to eat? Do you want a treat? Or do you want a bone? Those also triggered him big time. The bones, he would go to a certain spot. If it was outside, the big, huge cow bones with all the stuff, the meat still on there, and the bone marrow, he'd work on it for days. But that guy could knock him out, man. Strong jaw, strong teeth. Would you special order those or you would go to the butcher? I would get them at, well, a lot of the pet stores or order them online. And yeah, he thought they were amazing. I hadn't thought of a pet store because I think when I was growing up, my mother oh, yeah. would go to the butcher and say, hey, well, they would like, it was from the butcher, the, the leftovers, yeah. right? Sam the butcher from yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We would get them, but now I guess, yeah, pet stores eventually would adopt them. Yeah, they're more, they're not as meaty as the ones from the butcher probably, but these bones are safe. They're not going to splinter. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. just was like, well, we'll go with that. He also knew when the night was over, because I would say, let's go to bed. And he would, in this house, he would come upstairs and then- sleep on the floor or on his bed on the floor in the master bedroom. But he knew what that meant. And when I'm like getting ready and brushing teeth and maybe showering, if I hadn't showered, he'll just lay there by the bed and look up and wait for me to pet him some more and then get into the bed. So it was incredibly cute. And you just count on that. Yeah. Yeah. Just part of the thing. It's reliable. He knew when I was recording. He'd see me kind of getting ready to go in the room to record. And I would say, I'll be right, you know, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to record. I'll be done in a little while. And he'd be waiting outside that door right there when I got done. When you and I, mostly it's you and I, I would walk outside and there he is. And he's, he knows I'm going to take him outside. So that's what you get used to, yeah, Sal. And that's just part of what you start missing. Sure. And like, wait a second, uh, this doesn't make sense. Conversely, here are some phrases he disliked. (laughs) I would say to him, 
not a fan of this. I've got to go. Immediately, it was just head down. He knows I'm leaving. Or I'll be right back. Both means that I'm going to be gone for a while. Mm. Again, to him, five minutes could be 30 hours. (laughs) Their concept of time is not very good. So the dogs don't really get it. But he also knew the drill when he saw me get my sports gear out. Or if he saw suitcases or duffel bags, that caused him great anxiety. Mm. So if he saw that happening and it was a trip that he was going on, I had to hurry up and tell him, hey, hey, don't worry, you're coming. You know, you're coming with us. It's all good. But then he get fired up and want to go to the SUV like early <laughs> and I'm still packing. Yeah. So you have to kind of be wary when you introduce those phrases. Sure. He could not stop his enthusiasm, even you know, when he was almost eight, it was almost like he was still a little puppy. They get so excited and they're just like locked in on it. But I would put him outside and let him run around for a while while I'm getting like the suitcases and the trips to the car. Because he's so big, so he'll just get in the way. Sure. So sometimes I would just give in and put him in the car early and have all the windows down and then just keep loading the car. But he's like, I'm in, let's do this. So those are really cute times indeed. So I'm sure people can relate to some of these things, if not all of them. And then just a few stories, and then I'll kind of get into when things pivoted, and obviously it became about losing my best friend. Just a few things came to mind. The day we met, I've talked about the first car ride. It was incredible to meet a dog. and to It's a weird way to bond. It's like you're literally going to hotels or Airbnbs, I, I suppose. He didn't have all of his shots because he, they do them in stages. Yeah. So I couldn't even let him run free. So I'm literally like carrying this dog around, learning him. He's learning me, dropping him to go pee and you know do his business. We're not potty trained yet, right? Not even, well, no, I had a little tiny crate, not potty trained, just dealing with all these new sensations, yeah. you know, he's whining all night. So I'm trying to keep fans going. And well, that was an interesting time, but it was amazing. But it was like having like a little infant yeah. with me on this sure. road trip. You went from Missouri to back to California. Yeah, we drove, we stopped three nights. Yeah. I think it was in Norman, Oklahoma, Albuquerque, New Mexico. We actually drove by the Breaking Bad set, nice. the house with Nico, this young. I've had him for a second day. I was like, well, I'm in town. <laughs> he's already Let's seen movies. He's already seen TV he, locations. He's, he's like, this is my life. I'm going <laughs> to see movie sets. And then the third day, I think we stayed in Needles. Yes. And then we made, it was like, well, let's just sleep here and then we'll get in at a good time the next day. So yes. yeah, it was like, bang, bang, bang. Very nice. Um, when he was a puppy, he'd pee just a little bit when he got excited. He was potty trained, but if he was outside and someone came over, you'd just see like, oh, he doesn't have control of everything just mm. yet. It, he was little, but it was it was so funny. This one kid came over and... Nico peed on his vans just a little bit. And I was nice. like, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> He's potty trained, but this is a level of excitement. He can't control himself. But he took it well. He loved his crate. Crate trained him. I bought the biggest crate you could get, but they give you a divider. So you can slowly move the divider out and then take it away. Rather than keep buying a new crate for a dog that's going to keep growing rapidly. Oh, I so see. I thought that yeah, was yeah. really smart. Yeah. So I even got in the crate. I mean, I could fit in there <laughs> myself and he was in there. So if it's too big, they'll just find a corner to go potty in. Yes. But if you shrink that to a manageable state, and then I just made it bigger. And then it's so funny how he took to that crate, Sal. Yeah, I'd make him also sleep in it. I didn't want him wandering around the house those that first year. And he loved it. I would say, let's go to your crate. And he'd go right in, close it, and he'd get a good night's sleep. So they find comfort in that. Yeah, it's like a den. 
It's like a den. Yeah. I took it away after a year. He was done with it. It takes up a lot of space. <laughs> a big dog crate. Sure. But that was uh, really cool. And in that first house, I mean, I think he lived in four houses all said and done. Stayed in another for just a little while. But in his first house, the one you visited, we had movie screens outside. Yes. That's where he really came into this world. And the neighbor had a cat named Charlie. And he didn't really have anything against cats, but he's very territorial, Nico was. Sure. Sometimes the cat would love to just come over on our side of the wall or the front yard. And he more than see him, he would just hear the owner's call for him. It would always be like this, Charlie. And if they did that, Nico went nuts because he knows Charlie's on the loose. <laughs> and he, he might be in the backyard and he might not be. So then I would tease him. I would be like, Charlie and copy them and he'd be like huh what and he'd run around the house looking at every window looking for that darn Charlie that's funny uh, it was so funny and when the, when Nico got bigger and Charlie was sometimes in the front yard what the front yard wasn't fenced in so Nico didn't play out there without me but there were many times where bigger Nico would see Charlie and Charlie go up a tree sure <laughs> and then I felt bad I had to help the neighbor put Nico away yeah. help the neighbor get Charlie out of said tree but it was a, a good cat and dog game they had, I guess. Well, because I don't know what it's like in other counties or, or states, but I do know that in this city and county of Los Angeles, a cat does not have to legally be on a leash, whereas a dog does. Yeah. So yeah, cats can run around all over the place, but dogs have to be on a leash. Yeah. And it's cool, but Charlie drove us a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> Almost like he's teasing Nico. Yeah, he pushed his luck a few times. Yeah. I don't think Nico had done anything, but he's going to get really close and scare Charlie to death. Sure. Then there was a time that Nico, there was a park right there in Mount Washington. This is in Los Angeles, real close to downtown, Highland Park, great area. But really, we could walk five minutes and be at this park, Heidelberg Park. And one day, we're off leash, I'm training him. And all of a sudden, he gets spooked. Another dog, a bigger dog than Nico at the time, scared him. And I was like, I saw a dog run by me and I thought, what? And I saw Nico fly through the park wow. and this isn't like a park park this is like you know lots of elevation and trees so it's not like a, you can see everything and he disappeared sal and i was like yeah. oh my gosh that was a terrifying few moments or 15 minutes i'm running non-stop through the park yelling his name going through the neighborhood I mean, I don't know where he is, and there is a couple of roads, and I'm running all over the place. Roads with cars. A couple of cars, FedEx trucks, yeah, UBS, yeah. And, but not a main road, but a windy road in the mountain, you sure. know, and I thought, oh my gosh. And I'm running and screaming, and these two girls walking said, oh, we just saw a dog at a house down the street, and I was like, thank you. And I ran all the way home, and if it wasn't Nico on the front porch just sitting there. Well, he ran home. He shouldn't have left me, yeah. but at least he went home. Wow. Nice. So there's that. Good save. I, he still got grounded a little <laughs> bit, but I mean, he scared me to death. I never forget the FedEx guy, because he would see Nico a lot. He saw me running frantically and was like, Jason, is it Nico? I was like, I don't know where he is. And then later he saw me on the front porch petting Nico. And he was like, oh, it's okay. Great. They get to know each other. People see you walking your dog sure. all the time, right? Yeah. And that same house, we would encounter a lot of coyotes up in Mount Washington. Yeah. 
you see one, they run. And Nico learned that they were predators. I didn't have to teach him that. He just knew, like, these are bad things. And one night, we rounded a corner, and we encountered six of them. And I was like, hey, this is a little hairy here. Sure. And they broke out, though. There was an old man up the street. This is crazy, Sal. And he would open up a bag of cat food and dump it on the sidewalk for all these stray cats to come in. And I didn't know the guy. I just moved there. And I was like, what's this guy doing? I saw him do this with my own eyes. Yeah. Well, guess what, bro? You're bringing skunks and possums and coyotes in. Not cats can't eat all this food. Someone finally stopped him from doing it. Like, that's a bit much. You don't need all these feral cats. That's just too much food. And that's one of the nights that we encountered these coyotes. So yeah. they're there for easy food, but they got freaked out by us. But I wouldn't leave dogs outside in that area, yeah. right? Even Nico, six coyotes, if they came in our backyard, yeah, it's not a good situation. But he learned to scare them away, man. And he was bigger than them, but they're clever in their own in their own right. Yeah. And when it comes to packs, it's a different story than if it's one-on-one, yes. you know? One, yeah. 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 I was like, are we going to go back-to-back kung fu fighting here? And then those things just shot out yeah. and they can go, you know, 100 miles an hour. Sure. So then we moved. Nico and I moved and he was part of that big time. Life happens. Yeah. You know, a new relationship or I should say a relationship ending. Mm. I moved. Of course, he was my dog. It wasn't about who's going to get custody. And it was never a question, never an argument. Nico and I were a bonded pair. Yeah. So he moved with me and we moved to the valley in a really cool spot, a little gated community like a duplex, yeah. but, but huge backyard, bigger than we had in Mount Washington. And he loved that backyard. So I mean, it was massive. It's like a park. It's like a little park, yeah. if you want to be clear. And it's private. And so during the private, oh yeah, all the way around. Privacy fence all the way around, rose bushes and palm trees and plenty of room for Frisbees and a big water feature. I mean, I would work out there a lot. It was a big patio. So it was a shared backyard, but the person on the other side was rarely there. They weren't even in the same state half the time. So during the pandemic, man, it was him and I just on lockdown. You remember how crazy LA was? Like We were literally on curfew lockdown, and at least we had that sanctuary sure he loved it yeah and he loved chasing those squirrels out of that backyard like he would literally chase a squirrel out of the backyard to go up the privacy fence and he'd go up and hit the privacy fence with his paws to maybe knock that squirrel off the fence it was pretty funny the new charlie yeah exactly there's no charlie but there's charlies everywhere meanwhile so it was so funny And then during lockdown, I started doing my martial arts training in the garage because not much was going on. I had my mats and and he was so cute. I'd get my gi on, go through the whole class and he'd lay there and watch me. And if I was stretching, I would be petting him. There's even photos of, I had to take some photos sometimes. It was just too darn cute. There's a great photo when I was looking through the Instagram today, you're laying there on the mat in your karate gi. Yeah. And then you're reaching over, and I think he has his paw in your hand. Yep. Yeah, we were touching hands. I did like a selfie. And I'm watching that like, something in my eye. You know, something in my eye. <laughs> I know. Looking at that now is is extra touching. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he was good like that. A few more. That particular area was called Candy Cane Lane mm. because of how big they take Christmas. Now, we were yes. just adjacent to that, but yeah. we could just walk right over and enjoy Candy Cane Lane. Yes. And I would take Nico. I mean, this is before the pandemic, right before, I think it was 2019's Christmas, mm-hmm. right? So it was like festive and hundreds of people. So we would walk over there and he was getting so much attention, almost like he's a Christmas dog. Yeah. 
and they have a step and repeat in this one <laughs> this one house. And so we're doing the step and repeat. Like background, I'm taking photos, but then people who don't even know him are taking photos of him up on this thing. It was I loved living there. It was very festive that time of year. And he was always a, a hit, you know. People, I've got a dog just like that, or I had. Everyone's got a story, Sal. Yeah. If I had a penny or a nickel, let's just call it a nickel for every story, I'd have. Well, I have a lot of nickels. So then we moved cross country, like I talked about. We go to Oklahoma for a few months to deal with family stuff and fix up a house that I have there before I rented it out. So Nico and I live there. Well, I, I'm doing this, cleaning it out. He's hey, he's not complaining. This is great. Whatever. And it was a great house. It was really a great house. I loved it. And also kind of remote and no back fence, though. It was like kind of a natural fence with these big rocks, right? Well, there was creatures out in these parts at night. I saw foxes and gophers and all sorts of things. So one night around midnight, I'd only moved in there a few weeks. I was assembling something in the house, like a really cool tripod I have. Or an easel, I should say. An easel for a television. It's really cool. Very classic, elegant, and modern. And I just finished it. Got the TV on it. And I was like, why don't you go potty? And then we'll go to bed. He goes out there and I hear him chase something. It's, I can't see a thing. He just I hear his body moving fast. I'm like, Nico, don't. Whatever that is, you don't chase it. Well, he comes running back and he starts like sliding on the ground because he's got something in his eye. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? He's, he's doing these dives and he's getting closer to me. And when he got next to me, Sal, the stench was horrendous. I nearly vomited just oh. smelling it. He got skunked in the face. Ooh. He chased his skunk through this like bush yeah. and the skunk got him. And oh my, I'd never faced that before. Yeah. What do you do? So, well, it's midnight. I'm already tired. I'm of like, course. dude, you're not coming in the house. Yeah. I went and got the dog shampoo we had, washed him three times, moved my car out of the garage, put fans in the garage. He slept in the garage. It's not, it was attached garage, nice, but his smell was so bad. Wow. And the next day I went and got the actual de-skunking shampoo and yeah. put it on him and then washed him three more times. And by the next day he could finally come in. But that was a nightmare. And you think he would have learned his lesson, but it happened one more time. You were more bothered than he was. <laughs> well, he got, I was worried about his eye. Yeah. The next time it was more faint. I think he saw the skunk. He's like, uh-oh. And the skunks, but maybe it was the same guy. It was months later yeah. and kind of got his coat a little bit and I washed him off. We knew what to do, but... Oh my, if anyone has had their dog skunk, they also say tomato juice is good. Yeah, well, I I've had no that. tomato <laughs> juice and everything's closed at midnight in this particular yes. town. I was like, oh my Things goodness. Things like that usually happen at the most inconvenient times. Yeah, exactly. Like I was exhausted and it's like, oh, okay. And I'm on a new time zone, but hey, we made it through. We made it through. And then more recently, before we moved to Massachusetts, he knocked over my aunt and uncle's chiminea. I was playing Frisbee in the backyard. He rounded the corner, put on the brakes, but barely touched it. And we all just watched it like, oh, that's not good. It was like, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, boom. And then it just exploded. Yes. And I was like, yeah. oh, and they're trying to be like, no, it already had a crack in it. And so Nico and I went to a place, a pottery store, a chimney store, 
found them, gave them a gift certificate, and they replaced it. They didn't even want to, but I felt like it's the least I could do. I, I couldn't believe that happened. That wasn't on video, though, was it? I would have paid anything for that. You should <laughs> his his reaction, our reaction, like, and it was going. The chimney was going, so it was also fire. Is oh. it was okay, but it was just yeah. like slow motion. No. Yeah, it was hilarious. And then on that trip to Pennsylvania. Before moving to Massachusetts, we went canoeing on the Delaware Water Gap. It's uh, in the Pocono Mountains. We show up, and Nico's just the best. He's, you know, they have to drive you there, so he's like all cuddled up with Sophia and I in the van that they drive you to the spot. And when we're getting out, I see the canoe, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of narrow. The guy's like, yeah, you know, most people that tip over, it's always the dogs or the kids. And I'm like, no one told me this before we got here. Yeah. Right. Well, he was on a short leash that day, and I just kept giving him water. It was a really hot day. Thank goodness we did not tip over once. But I just was thinking, this is going to be the worst. I'm going to have Sophia going down. I got Nico. We're trying to tip this. So I just kept him on a short leash. He enjoyed it, but I was stressed out. And I'm also doing all the canoeing. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. The minute he got up there, or the guy was right, if he took one step over too far with his weight, we all would have went. So he'd never been on a canoe prior to that. He'd been on one big boat, like a pontoon boat. He'd never been on a canoe before. So yeah. he was just like, whoa, whoa. So I just made him lay down. And had he been in the water before? Yeah, but he's not a water dog like Brody at a Labrador. Yeah. And that probably was a good thing for us. That probably bode well because he didn't want to jump out and go swimming. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'll just stay here. I'll take some water. Sure. And I just petted him the whole day, canoed. But then we took a break at one point in time halfway and there's all this mud and what's he do well he just gets all up in the mud there's photos on his instagram he's just a muddy mess and i'm like eventually you're gonna have to get in that water dude he was he had a great day but i gotta say i was a little stressed out if i canoed again it was not going to be with nico in that size of boat i just was so scared we were gonna go tumbling over but we made it through but how do you keep a white german shepherd clean surprisingly enough with two coats and brushing, it gets clean. You don't have to bathe them that much, nor should you bathe big dogs that much, yeah. like once a month or when he got skunked or maybe once every few months. But really that coat, the oils protect him. And if you brush him, he can get, I mean, mud's one thing, sure. Yeah. But if he gets dirt, you could brush it off. It's amazing how resilient that coat is. Nice. So, and he sheds enough to kind of keep replenishing sure. it. So. Last couple I put on here. We made a Halloween ghost and put it on the front porch for the last Halloween he was at. And this is a very Halloween-y area, the New England, right? Yeah. And so everyone, I was like, oh, the neighbors are doing some cool things. Let's at least make a ghost and have some candy on the front so the kids can just come up and get the candy out of this big fake ghost. Yeah. But I have a video of this. Sophia opens the door and Nico sees me in the yard and he's like, hey! And he sees this ghost. He's like, what? <laughs> so here's like this big brave dog just got like so scared. Nice. He like ducks and he tries to hide back nice. inside. It's like Scooby-Doo live. Yeah, I was like, what? I've never, I don't even know how to process this. And this thing has no scent. Yeah, he went back in, then he peeked back out. Oh my gosh, hilarious. And then on our trip to Florida, we kind of avoided Massachusetts in January and half of February, which was great because the weather in Florida was divine. And we had two different pools at the two different Airbnbs we're at. Well, again, he's not a pool dog like Brody, yeah. right? 
So he was like, oh, you guys are swimming. Okay, there's a step here. Maybe I'll just step right here on this one step. Mm. So he was always like, yeah, kind of putting his paw in. And, and then one pool had this big wade area. Like, I guess it's for kids. It's a lot longer, yeah. real shallow. And one day I went and I did like a cannonball in the deep end. So he got brave and ran and jumped in the kiddie side about yeah. this deep. Yes. But he felt real brave over there. So I was like, that's him being a water dog. Like, that's the extent of it. He doesn't want to be submerged and swimming, but I have some footage of that as well. It's hysterical. So you could tell his inner Labrador was trying to come out, but uh, not so much. Not so much. Have you bonded with any other white German Shepherd owners, either in the area or online or anything? Funny you mentioned that. So that first house that he was at, the one in Mount Washington, up the street. So it's about a mile walk up to the elementary there. Mount Washington Elementary. So we would do these walks. It's what you do when you have a dog. You explore the area. Sure. They give you access to everything. People are nice to you. People are nice. We stumbled into another white German Shepherd, longer hair. Nico's was medium. This was longer hair. About the same size. That dog's name was Ghost wow. from Game of Thrones. So they went there. They went on the nose. Yeah, nice. And so we met, and this is, you know, Nico's probably like two ish right to range and so ghost is around the same age and we would go on walks close together the owners were talking having a great time talking about our dogs talking about life as they got a little bit older and didn't see each other for a few months then it became an issue oh ghost was very just protective of the owner yeah and so we would get close and he would like bark at Nico and then Nico would retaliate. So then we <laughs> would try it on the other sides of the streets. Yeah. And then pretty soon it was like, hey, hey. Oh. And it, it just wasn't going to be a union anymore. Sure. So it was interesting. But yeah, and then there was another one I ran into on Eagle Rock, a little bit older. And I took a photo as well, White Shepherd. And it was just funny seeing them together. So I, I've had those two experiences. Yeah. Nice. Well, Nico no gets more. to see his own kind. Yeah, like, hey, I know you. Sure, you look familiar. And it's true. When you see someone or someone sees us with a white shepherd, they feel like they know you. Like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Or black, there's a black shepherd. In fact- I haven't even seen a black shepherd. I've seen the brown. They look a little more menacing. Then there's the black and tan, like the red tin tan. Yes. But we were driving, I want to say back either to Florida or from Florida. No, we had to be going to Florida. And- it's a rest stop, typical rest stop, lots of grass. I like those areas. You feel safe. And, yep. and there was a state trooper. And I forget what state he was from. It was on that drive. And he comes rolling up. And they look pretty tough, you know. They got the hats on. And they're like, no nonsense, yep. right? Well, he sees Nico and he pulls over. He's like, that's a good looking dog. And he was sharing about how they have a black shepherd and how the two would look great together. So he could just win over anybody. Nice. Man. Making friends with the popo. You're so proud of them in those moments because like, you know, hey, yeah, yeah, no, he's a great dog. And they can yeah. just tell by his demeanor. You know, he's so distinguished. And it was like, oh, yeah. And you just, you bond for a moment. Yeah, it's very pleasant, I got to say. I'm not going to have that conversation otherwise. No. You know, it's really special. No, most likely not. So those are some fun stories. Some interesting things about Nico, the dog, and funny things that everyone can relate to probably. But then how things pivoted, I would say. Yeah. Well, hang on, before I get to that, his health was always top-notch. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about much. He'd sprain 
a Paul sometimes. One time he was catching a Frisbee in the yard and that valley with the huge backyard had a couple of ceramic deers off on the side. But one time he caught a Frisbee really high. I was like, oh, that's a little too close. And he like his paw hit the ceramic deer and he had like a, a light sprain. And a day later, he's fine. Or he would cut in the yard because he's so strong. He could like cut, jump. And it's like equivalent to like spraining a paw. Yeah. There was a few times where he hurt one. And then like three months later, he'd hurt the same one. And so he was always in shape, but I had to get a few pounds off because he was 120. He could handle it. Yeah. But for that type of mobility and jumping, that was like, get him closer to 100 he might be less stressed on a couple of these joints. Sure. So we did. I did that and it was fine. So really beyond that, it was like, this guy's like Brody, cruising along. Just the littlest thing, get your shots. Although one time we were in the valley and I had coffee and we were going to a park and all of a sudden he yelled really loud. I was like, what the heck? Really loud and then stopped and he was fine. But he got shocked. There was like this sign and it had an open wire what? And he must have touched it. Yeah, I could not believe this, Al. He walked up next to it. All of a sudden, he did that. He shook for a second, and he was fine. I called security. They came over and said, oh, my gosh, this was never patched up. We went to the vet. They're like, he's fine. It was just probably a shock. And they covered the fee. But that could have been worse. Had he been a little dog, a little like accessory dog? Sure. Poof. Wow. I don't know how charged that was. Yeah. And those guys are like... They were so afraid to touch us. Like, I'm not touching that, man. Sure. He He's a tough dog. And he, you know, he barked for a few seconds and squealed. And I was like, oh, I was so mad. But he was fine. So he's a tough guy. Now, cut to, we're coming home from Florida. So that's this year. We get back mid-Feb. And I'm looking at him, because I'm always looking at him, you know, petting him, caring for him. And he's laying on the floor in the bedroom. And I'll never forget it. Man, his stomach, because I also got a few pounds off him so he could be more mobile and not get hurt. Yep. And I was like, wow, he's been eating really good. He's, he's not even a big eater. He eats his food. He doesn't overeat. But his stomach, and I started pushing on his stomach, his abdomen more, and I just felt something. And he's big and he's slim. So we'd always go to the vet for appointments and everything. It just kind of went undetected. But there was something in there. And I, I was like, okay, we've got to... Uh, and he's kind of breathing heavy. Like maybe this is bothering him or maybe he's running hotter. Went to the vet and they told me or I found out that it was some sort of tumor or cyst. It was something in there. Yeah. Foreign. And we had gone to the same vet not that long ago. It was undetected. You're not looking. You can't. It's If he moves, it kind of just pivots, you know. Mm -hmm. But he was laying a certain way and I felt it. Then they went in. And so that recommended I go to a surgeon. And I'm thinking oh my gosh, this is like becoming complicated. And we don't have, we have the normal pet insurance, not like the, if this happens, like he's a super healthy dog. He doesn't have anything. Maybe an accident. I have an accident policy or had an accident policy. So we get this uh, diagnosis that he has this tumor that's good size, attached to some organs, and it's a pretty extensive and expensive, very expensive surgery. And it's like, but doing nothing, that clock is just, He's finally now starting to feel issues from it, right? Yeah. And they don't know how long it's been there. I'm just like, what's going undetected? So it could have been several months. It could have been one year. We don't know. But enough to grow like the size of a volleyball. Yeah. Or, or close to it. That's big. So he goes in. These people at this 
clinic or veterinarian hospital are amazing. They, they brace you. They give you how much it's going to cost. And I mean, we're talking like $10,000 to do this. And there's no guarantee he's going to walk out of there. But sure. you're like, let's do it. You got to do a DNR and everything. Got to sign a DNR. Yeah, you had to sign all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, so they're not liable. So the surgery was set, brought him in. Well, hang on. I'm sorry. Just to be clear. They ask if you want to sign a DNR. Because when an animal goes for surgery, they're like, well, if, if anything happens, should we attempt to revive or not attempt right. to revive? They would call me. And so I put on there like, within reason. Yeah. Right? Within reason. If they get in there and realize this tumor is opened up, it's causing issues and yeah. it's going south, call me and let me know. We'll do all we can. So it was that type of thing. They're very communicative. Yeah. I have to say that. In the surgery, they took breaks and called me on speakerphone so we both could hear it. And it was like, hey, he's uh, he's doing good. It's going to be tough to cut out clean, but we could do it. Do you want us to proceed? Yeah. Or we could just stop now, sew him up, and you could have a few days with him. But it's, I was like, no, go. Get this thing out of him. Because yeah. I'm thinking, Brody dealt with something similar, and he was older, and it was really in an area that they couldn't remove it. And it was just slowly took him but 12 years old. Nico's not even eight. He's close. He's like seven years and 11 months. So they go in, they get it out, they call back. He's doing great. You know, we have him at the hospital. He's going to stay for a few days. They had to reattach something so he could pee properly. They were using a catheter for a few days. So like a day goes by, two days go by, and it was so stressful, Sal. Just to know your dog's across town, you can't see him, but he made it through the surgery. So they let us do a visit. We went and visited him. And yeah, he just looked wiped out, but he was so happy to see us and he was freaking out. And then we had to come back and take him on a walk a day later or two days later. And if he could pee, he could go home. That was the thing because he was on that catheter. And yeah. they don't want to send us home with that. And he did a little bit and then he came home and it was like, like, don't play any Frisbee. Give him three weeks. Just, it was real light. But this guy's tough, man. Just running up the stairs. It's like, hey, slow down, Tiger. Slow down, Nico. You know, no Frisbees. And after three weeks, it was like the hair starts to grow back in. He wants to play. We're on walks every day. This was in the rear view. Yeah. I thought, we made it. That's incredible. They got it out. Thank you, Doc. Uh, a great team. He's back. We're all good. And then I noticed, this is two months later. So I'm not even thinking about the surgery. It's like, yeah. man, thank God we had that behind us. And I start noticing when I come home, he comes running downstairs and he starts like a little bit of cough-like symptoms. And then and it would pass. When he's excited, it would happen. So I call the vet and they're like, well, it could be the cancer coming back. And I'm thinking, what? Or I'm thinking, could it be pneumonia? Like something's going on. Well, we go in to our normal vet because the clinic's like, you know, they're booked and they can't see him for a week or something. So I go into the vet that we know pretty well. And I'll never forget it. This is May 5th and we do x-rays. And I'm just thinking, okay, great. It's pneumonia. You're going to give me some pills. We're out of here, right? No problem. Well, I'm a little concerned because, you know, it's a big surgery, but we find out he has stage four cancer in the lungs and he's got a few days, maybe a week left. And Sophia couldn't make it that day. And I'm just like, huh? Like, it was a lot to hear. And you know, in that moment, oh, that cough is much more severe. And they showed me the x-rays and 
not that I know what I'm really looking at, but they explain it, you know. Yeah. Here's normal lungs, and here's what this is going on, and it had just spread everywhere. So maybe taking out that foreign body was great, but it had metastasized, and it was a cancerous cell, and it just spread. That's what I was going to say. So the tumor was connected. It wasn't just coincidental. No, not coincidental. And I knew that. They told us that it had cancer, but it's like, you know, I didn't want to introduce chemo. And they're like, yeah, that can be a mixed thing. And, yeah. and even the vet was like, hey, we got this thing out of him. He lived with it for what? Maybe six months, nine months, 12 months. We don't know. He's strong. We got it out. We bought him some time. That's what we're all just buying him some time. I had no idea in two months it could come back in, in that form and just, I was just numb. I, I remember walking out of the vet, just him and I just thinking, and so it's like, that guy that I saw post-surgery never came back. Mm. He was there, but not the energy. Mm. He'd have it in a little burst, like not like him. He'd run one lap in the yard and then just kind of be like, it's just taking its toll. Yeah. And he's fighting it, but it was, I just never have seen that. Brody, it was a slow decline as he got older. Nico, it's like night and day. Oh, here's this thing, and it's gone crazy in his system. And he fought it and fought it and fought it. And then it just started to get the best of him. So it was almost like getting that diagnosis for me. That was May 5th, okay? So cut to his last night, May 10th, okay? May 10th, the night before we lose him. I'm petting him. And literally while I'm petting him, he's kind of, he really has a hard time breathing now. It's like, you just hear it. And he started to kind of make these whimpering noises a little bit. It's like, oh my gosh. So it's like 11 at night. And I have, my other hand is looking up places for dog euthanasia services. I'd never even had done that before. Yeah. Because Brody, I didn't mention this, died in the middle of the night at the foot of the bed. I was on a trip. He was with me in Minnesota and passed away very gracefully. I heard him breathing really heavy and I petted him and then he passed. So it was there. I didn't have to call anybody, yeah. right? So Nico, I'm thinking, he's younger. He can fight this thing, but this is a fight that he can't win. So I'm struggling with like, who do I call? How do you, I was a little distraught. So I went to bed and I was going to call, or I did get a hold of the vet and he told me a wonderful place that he had used before. So my plan May 11th, the next day was, which is a Wednesday, was to do this work I had to do. I had to go record two episodes of Just Curious Media's podcast, one of Let's Talk Movies and one Let's Talk Cobra Kai. You didn't make that one. It was with Daryl Vidal. So I go to the remote studio because I had to record it during the day, not at night. And the plan was to come home after these two early recordings, pick Nico up, take him to the grocery store to get him a cooked rotisserie chicken breast, which he loved. And by now we're just giving him even better food. Sure. You know, he always had like the highest end dog food, but now it's like, hey, this is a lot more human food. Yeah. And the plan was to take him to do that and check him, watch him, see where he's at, and then plan this service, which I was struggling with. And Sophia was just like, wait, that soon? He can't make his birthday? And I was like, I know this guy. I watch him every day. This is not good. Yeah. This is going to have to be today or Thursday or Friday if we're lucky. 
So then I petted him. He's outside because outside was a little cooler. I said goodbye. I got in the Jeep. I looked up. He'd already gone to the back fence to see me get in the Jeep, right? And I was like, I'll be right back. And I love you. And that's the last time I ever saw him alive. But I mean, I'm sorry, specifically, how did it happen? Well, I leave. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I'm off doing that for about two and a half hours. Yes. During that time, Sophia was still, she was working from home that day. And and she went outside because it was a nice day, played ball with him and he's barely moving, filmed it, happened to film their playtime, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. Also, I have my own guilt, which I'll talk about. But they're playing in the backyard. Then she goes back inside for a meeting, like a Zoom meeting. And then she calls me because she's like, hey, uh, I just peeked outside to the window. I didn't see Nico. Did you come get him to take him to go to the grocery store? And I'm like, no, no, no. The recording just ended. I'm literally packing the gear and I'm coming home now to get him. And she's like, oh, okay. On the phone with me. She then walks down, goes outside. She's like, I don't see him. Oh, here he is. And then she's quiet for a second. And then she says, he's gone. And I'm thinking, well, she's looking at him. And then, it, of course, it, it hits you in a second. like, And you could hear her, the vibrations. And so she discovered him. He had actually passed away in a spot in the backyard, a little very distinguished, out of the way. After they had played, he probably hung out for a while. And then just he just passed away gracefully. <sighs> yeah. And I'm on the phone with her, getting this intel, just yep. thinking... I'll never forget. I'm I'm packing up the studio. I'm alone, thank God. But it's that same feeling I had when I lost Brody. Yeah, it was just like overwhelming. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. But then it's just gone. Yeah, I'm emotional and I'm crying. I can't even pack my gear up. And I go tell them at the studio, like, "Hey, this just happened. My dog just passed away. I'll have to come back and pack my gear up." And they're like, oh my, of course, you know, whatever, we'll be waiting for you. And I go outside and I, I get my car and I, I, don't, I can't even drive. I'm really just not in a good place. And uh, I tried to call Sophia back, but her phone was dead. So, so I just know it's like, she's there. She, and it's only like a mile away, Sal, but I'm almost happy I wasn't driving in the moment. Yeah. So I kind of like sat there for a minute or two. And said, I better just go get my stuff now. It'll take me five minutes. I don't want to come back here. So I went in, thanked them, got the stuff, drove home safely, and went in the backyard. And she was with him and sitting there. It was very emotional to see him in that state. Yeah. Did he look peaceful, at least? Very much. It was so shocking. He was laying the same direction that Brody was. Almost it is eerie how peaceful he looked and he was still very warm. And I mean, it was, um, it was a lot. And I laid there and held him and she took some photos of me and him together. Yeah. And it's as much as you know, it's coming. And as much as I was about to make that call, here it is, he's gone. And it's the way to that is something that you, you could never really plan for. It was intense and I felt guilt. That's what I was going to say. You mentioned the guilt. Is it you felt guilt for leaving and going to the studio? Yeah, of course, because most days I'm there and I would have paid anything to have him 
oh, if he's going to go, I, I wish I was there in that moment. Yeah. It would have been tougher, but yeah, I feel like he probably wanted me there. Maybe he didn't. I'm projecting, but I had a guilt with that. I believe that traditionally, you know, without human intervention, animals, especially dogs, and we had this happen when I was growing up, especially because we had a backyard. Yeah. The dogs would go off and right. that's what they do. Right. They don't necessarily want the pomp and circumstance that we want. That's right. They go off and they, right and that. I've even seen them dig, dig a little bit, dig a little bit, lay down and go off. He went behind the garage too. And I don't think I've ever seen him lay there, which is shocking to me. So out of sight from the windows, never a spot where you would see, because he was always watching us from mm. the backyard. Yeah, He went to a spot or, so I'm playing it in my head and Brody was actually inside. So he didn't have an option. You know, he just expired. So I did have guilt and I had a lot of sadness from that. And I'm sure it'll dissipate and all the good memories I have, like I just went through some of them, but there's so many more, will replace that. And I feel even less guilty today than I did for the first week. It's been two weeks now. But every once in a while, it hits you hard, like, oh my God, just one more walk or yeah or that ride i was going to take him on get him the chicken mm -hmm. one more ride i'm thinking like well the last ride we went on was that i guess it was friday night or saturday night we went for a ride around town because i could just tell he wasn't feeling very well and i thought he was going to pass away on saturday night he actually made it you know to wednesday but yeah it was really tough and then it's like oh now what do we do i don't have a vet that's nearby. The, the closest vet we never got into. They have a long waiting list. It's already like Wednesday, 4.30. Things are closing. I'm calling yeah. some cremation places and I'm not even, I don't have my wits about me. And it was really tricky, but then it's like, like all things, it opens up. This vet down the street, which is great. They're like, oh my God, we're so sorry. You weren't even our patient, but we want to help you because we were going to be on the waiting list. And so they they said, if you can bring Nico here, we can put him in this facility. And then they, we called the cremation place, who were fantastic. And they said, we'll pick him up there and then we'll do everything and get you his ashes. And so it was really beautiful. And it was also nice that I, although I was a little worried about this, but I, much like Brody, I with the help of this person from the crematorium at the time, helped me load Brody up and I drove him to the place and then they took Brody and they, so it was almost the same thing. It was myself and Sophia helped a little, but I picked Nico up and put him in the back of the Jeep for that one last ride. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, that was kind of special actually. How long from the house to the crematorium? It's only like a five minute drive. No, we just went to the vet. and then, Oh, and then the vet would take him to the... They, no, they would put him in their facilities probably like a morgue yeah. for people. It's built for that. And then they came by and picked him up the way they do with the, the protocols and such. But that ride was really special for Sophia and I. And then we got out and stood over in the back of the Jeep until they finally came out and took him away. And that was, it, it was beautiful how it went down yeah. as tough as it is. It was like, that couldn't have been any more beautiful. And in fact, the crematorium was fantastic. And, He's usually on the mantle, but right here to my right is the beautiful bamboo box that Nico's ashes are in. And at some point, I will 
sprinkle some about in places that he loved and the backyard, all the walks. We, we drive across the country. I'm sure Sophia and I will do trips and places he's been and maybe some beautiful places and then just keep some of the ashes as well, like I've done with Brody. And in fact, a beautiful thing is when you're subscribing to different dog places, this, that, and the other. I'm, I've been with Chewy for a while. And Chewy, because I'd just gotten some medicine that showed up literally the day he passed away. And I called him and said, I haven't even opened the box, but this happened. So can you take it back? And they're like, don't worry. Just gift it to someone, a veterinarian or some sort of shelter. And they gave me the refund, which is beautiful. And then a few days later, those flowers showed up, which was incredibly touching. These yeah. sunflowers. Very and nice. A beautiful arrangement. And by the way, we are not endorsed by Chewy. So this is an no. extra special shout out to a company like this that goes above and beyond. They do. They really do. And they said, we're so sorry to hear of your loss of Nico and our hearts go out to you. We know this time is tough and we're always here if you need anything. Love, Stephanie from Chewy. So thank you, Stephanie. Very touching. Very, very sweet. Tears to my eyes and it was, you couldn't ask for anything better. And it does help with the grieving and making things just a little bit easier. Sure. Right? And thoughtful. And so and the ashes also helped too because there was a couple of days that were waiting for the ashes. And I wasn't like waiting, but when I got them, so we went out of town. And I've done this to kind of help cope, as you talked about earlier. We went on a trip the first weekend. We went to Vermont and just tried to get away because it's just... You know, this is the house that he was in the last year. And, and then we went to Maine this last weekend and saw friends and just tried to get away. But when we came back from Vermont, literally driving back into town on Monday, the vet called and had the ashes ready. So we, we said, let's just drive by now, pick them up. And it brought some closure, not closure with all the healing, yeah. but the fact that he's back home with us. Yeah, it's a finality. Yeah, it was really beautiful. I felt the same way with Brody. When Brody passed away in Minnesota, the crematorium got back to me, gave me the ashes, and then I had to drive across the country back to California. And he, you know what? I left the back of his little bed back there, and I put Brody, his ashes, well, like this in its little container, big container, on the bed, and he made that trek back home, and that was really um, special. So that helped. The deep sadness is there, Sal. Sure the holes in my heart. I mean, the constant reminders. So I have been home during the weeks, the work weeks, gone on the weekends, but I will get up from my chair, turn my computer off or do something and just anticipate him coming in here. I mean, they learn your routines. Sure. Oh, he's doing this now or that. Or if I open a door, all the chimes go off from the security, the notifications. He's down there. You going outside? You go in the front yard, backyard? I keep opening the door thinking, well, where's his footsteps? It's crazy how your mind can play these tricks on you. Mm -hmm. Or if I bang something, any noise out of the ordinary would stir him up. So I'm still getting used to that. It's only been two weeks. I'm sure that will remain for a while. Getting used to the silence. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I like, I like silence, but not that type of silence when there's something missing. Exactly. I find myself staring in the backyard. He's an indoor dog, but he loved the outdoor for playing. And that represented him more. The weather was good. Or it was snowing, he loved it. But he was always inside, but he loved playing out there. And I find myself just looking out there, hoping he'll emerge. Mm -hmm. You know? Sure. Like, deep down, 
hoping he will. And it's really interesting that the backyard's also kind of become an animal sanctuary in the last two weeks. It's crazy. Like now the grass is growing again. Because I have footage of after surgery, it was always brown and like starting to grow. And now we're getting grass because Massachusetts is a little behind what I'm used to. But I've seen these two rabbits play back there constantly, living back there, some chipmunks and birds. Now I know he's not back there chasing everybody off, but he really had the problem with the squirrels. But it's almost as if they sense something. I don't know. But I'll go out there and I move slow and I'm not really in the backyard that much anymore. I take the trash out and I just don't even disrupt the rabbits. I almost think like it's just like, it's okay now. Let them just kind of partake in this. And and Nico's a part of that. The backyard, as long as we live here, is going to be that now. I'll let them just kind of live there. And a lot of rabbits in these parts, but it's kind of special. I don't know. I feel something connected to him when I see them. Yeah. Well, it becomes enchanted. That's it. Yeah. I love looking at little rabbits scurry about. They're adorable. It really is. And I saw these two chipmunks a day that I'd never seen running around by the trash can on the side of the garage. I was like, there's something there. That's really special. And I am embracing his spirit and the memories, of course. I'm constantly looking at photos, thinking of him, knowing this episode was coming. And I got to tell you, it's helpful just to talk about. Sure. Right? It just is. I talked to some people this last weekend in Maine who are dog lovers and they heard what happened. And I just tell them a little bit and share a couple of photos and that helps. But I've been really nervous about this episode too, because it's like, I don't know how this show is going to take and this yeah. might be too long or it might be too emotional, but it's healing and it's helping. And I hope other people can get something from it. And maybe hopefully we get more people on and they share their stories and it helps them. Yeah, the word I'm hearing is help. Yeah. Because it's not just just curious me as other shows that are uh, entertainment in nature even though they're they're listed as uh, after shows. Let's talk Cobra Kai listed as an after show. Where right. We're chatting about a show. So it's fun and entertaining inherently. This is something different and you have something different now. Yeah, and we're still figuring out what it is. And not every episode you need to talk about the origins of the show. Sure. Get more streamlined. But getting through such a thing is not an easy task. It's been easier to talk about than I realized, though, because it's helpful. But I would imagine all the listeners from Just Curious Media on any show and every show has been along on the journey. Every show had its beginnings and then morphs and becomes what it is. And this will be no different. This is where it starts. This is true. This is genuine. This is real. And then where it goes from here, well, it takes on a life of its own is what starts to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, a lot of places like the crematorium and the vet, the vet also sent me emails because he went to various vets over the years and I let them know and they're very kind. So there's always that, you know, they've been down this road and they're very gracious about it. But I received, and I'm not going to read this, but most people are familiar with the Rainbow Bridge poem. And so I encourage anyone to go online, Google it, read it if you will. But people do like to pass that along. I noticed it when I posted, you know, Nico passed or even Brody before that. Someone will post on that social media, the Rainbow Bridge, and people find comfort in that. Sure. About maybe being reunited with your lost dog Mm -hmm. or pet, whatever it might be down the road. Yeah. I don't really subscribe to some of that, but it's a beautiful sentiment sure. and it's all like good memories and they're in a good place. And I do agree with that. They're in a good place, whatever that is. And they're no longer suffering. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. So rather than read that, cause you can find that online, 
And before we wrap up, I was just trying to maybe, in my own words, to Nico, and I could probably write this 10 times and it would come out 10 different ways and I was trying to compress it. But I read this and part of this grieving package that I was sent from this place. They're really professionals, I got to say. I read this pamphlet and I was like, wow, I am kind of doing this. I'm actually going to do a podcast. So I was checking the boxes, approaching my grievement. But it did say, some people write their dog a letter, their pet a letter. I was like, wow, yeah, I haven't done that. I do a podcast. I made a video for Brody that I posted years ago. So this is real short and sweet, I would say. I'll try to read this. And maybe it's a nice way to end these episodes. Again, we're still figuring this show out. Sure. And then we'll wrap up and we'll do a call out for other future guests, which you can help me with. But here goes nothing. Nico, I loved you with all my heart. You were a fixture in my life for nearly eight amazing years. And in that time, we shared some of my fondest memories. You gave me strength when I needed it to handle some major life changes, a breakup, a pandemic, moving cross country twice, and the whole time never complaining for a moment. I would do absolutely anything to hold you one more minute, to kiss your face, and to take you on one more walk. You were the best dog I could have ever hoped for, and I promise you that your legacy will live on through me forever. Thank you for coming into my life and making it so much better. I love you, Nico. So short and sweet. (sighs) Jason, I've never seen this side of you. I've never seen this side of you. Yeah. Nor have many people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for helping me get through this. I uh, I think alone, I, I would have went down a rabbit hole and never come out. So our professionalism, our history, our friendship uh, helped me uh, kind of go through this, not unattached, but more like, I need to do this. This is bigger than me. It helped me. It helped ground me. That's for sure. Yeah. I would have done 50 takes, Sal. Okay, starting, stopping. Okay, uh, let's go back to one. Yeah, I know it because I was prepping this the last couple of days and just, of course, tears are going to be shed. You're going to just sit and reflect and that's not going to translate that well. Yeah. Right? Here I am sitting catatonic and missing. No, I wanted to share. This guy, Nico, meant so much to me. I was also telling a friend the other day, I think that one of his greatest gifts potentially, and it's kind of happening now, was helping me connect with the new love of my life. Not replacing him, but my new female in my life. Mm -hmm. And had she not taken the Nico, well, that wouldn't have worked, right? And I almost needed his strength to help me do something that's so uncomfortable to not only move. My plan was to go to Oklahoma and then go back to Los Angeles. That's where I've built a home for 17 years. Yeah. The pandemic opened up the world and you meet someone on a different coast and you're like, well, I mean, things are different now, but I'm telling you, his strength and just that bond and not really being alone when you're alone, Sal, you know, it helped me. And to see them bond and connect, it was almost like, I'm going to be okay. That wasn't his goal in my life, but it's something he definitely helped facilitate. Yeah, And I could see us even just getting more and more we're super connected, but that connects you even more. Our bond is even stronger now 
just going through the surgeries with Nico, I wasn't alone through that. She was an incredible partner to me through that and for him. And yeah, I really think this whole thing has a beautiful tale. But sometimes life is tough, man. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't always last as long as we want it to. No. No. No, you know, if I were to ever have, you know, one of those, like, what would you ask God? Like, if I were to ever have a face-to-face with God, uh, why are we so fragile? Why can't right. we live? You know, give us a thousand years or something. I mean, if you look at the timeline of the earth, I mean, we live, we, you and I, humans, animals, together. It's such a tiny part of that. God, why couldn't we have had more time? Why wouldn't you make our bodies more durable? Right. Why? That would be what I would Slow ask. Slow the aging down. You're absolutely right. And think about dogs. Think of their accelerated timeline. Yes. Like, what's that all One about? One year for us and what, seven years for them? Yeah. yeah. Let's just peel that back a mm-hmm. little. Yeah. Give us more time. There is a company in the Bay Area. I looked them up early on when I was looking at doggone and potential partners or partnerships. And I looked them up and they're in the, like a startup and they're trying to slow down the genes and the timeline or the longevity of dogs. It's like, good luck. That's amazing. I don't want to go into the sci-fi here, but some people, I feel that they have grieving is so difficult or loss is so difficult. Yeah. They're getting their dog's uh, DNA and trying to replicate. Mm. They're trying to regrow their love again. I mean, I think that's strange. And listen, if you do it, more power to you. I think that's odd though. I can't fault someone for doing it. They don't want to let go. Yeah, if if someone could say, hey, here's a magic pill and Nico can be back tomorrow, I'm not saying I wouldn't be interested. But no, it wouldn't be. In in, in that instance, it's going to be... It's not going to be Nico. It's not Nico. It's Nico's genes and DNA, but it's not Nico. It's not him. It's like Pet Cemetery. He comes back mean. No, you don't know. And I I wouldn't risk that. The memories are amazing. This pain, it comes in waves. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. I find myself finishing something, like I'm going to work on this, and it's like, hang on, I go into a trance, and it's a wave, and it's emotions, and yeah. it has helped me being gone the last couple of weeks. Not that I'm trying to avoid it, but I'm also just trying to heal. Yeah. And this was the plan anyway. When the weather gets better, we explore more of New England. Nico was part of the package. If we were going to Vermont and Maine, he was coming with me. So I'm, I'm just trying to continue our journey, but... I've been down this road before, but it's a tough road. Yeah. Right. Especially when they go early. It's just, I was thinking, oh, Nico will meet my future kids. And he won't, but he will always be such a big part of my life. Yeah. Such an important part of my life. Forever. Forever. I mean, Brody represented a certain time, and you can't change that. It's history. It's amazing. And now Nico's that time. And maybe just to talk about this for a second, I am not in a hurry to try to replace. Nico and get a dog to fill a void. I am going to be waiting until that time is right. Yeah. I'm not going to put a time on it, but it's going to be a while and the time will happen when it's right. Yeah. And that's different for everybody. Absolutely. So I know that this was my story. I should say Nico's story, our story, the story of my wonderful best friend, Nicolas Nico Connell, white German shepherd, who recently passed away, but forever left his mark in my life. And so, Sal, I know we're going to want, or I'm going to want, but I know you affiliated with Just Curious Media want to see this show continue and prosper, but we're going to need more people's stories. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I think it's not just that I like it. Oh, I like this show and I like the topic. I think it's important. I think this is an important thing for people to look into within themselves and to share with each other. 
as I said earlier, you know, we share with you, you share with us, you share, you qualify as host of the show after today. Right. This is your story. And then episode two is someone else's story and we hear their relationship. But this is your qualification. It's no different than you walk into an AA meeting and say, my name's Sal, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, I'm qualifying here today. You're qualifying here today. The timing, the way this happened, you've been talking about the show for a long time. This is the time. And I think what you're doing is good and I think it's important. Thanks for saying that. And that was never the plan. I think that may have been one thing that was, I don't know if it was holding me back, but it was a concern. It was a hurdle. Like, I'm going to ask you, who I don't know, to be on a show to be super vulnerable, but I'm a dog lover, right? This wasn't by design, but that's when it felt like this is that time. If I can do this and I can get through this, actually, this whole conversation with you and sharing, oh, it has been helping. And I know it. I can feel it. So I want to help others. Now, We'll need more stories. So if you're hearing this podcast or seeing the social media and you find out about Doggone, the Doggone podcast, please send us a message. You potentially could be a good fit or the timing might be right. Message us on Instagram and Facebook. We'll talk about that in a minute in the outro. You know, ideally, we're looking for people that have experienced the passing of a dog more recently. There's no special timeline right? Mine's two weeks ago. That may be too soon for some. I get it. I felt like I had to do it now. But we're probably not going to go out and try to book guests that have lost a dog 10 years ago right now. The memory is just a little fresher, a little more relatable for others who are going through it at that stage, I think. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the plan. There always could be more. I could do an episode of Brody and you could do one on your first dog or the dog before. Sure. But right now, I think that's where I'm focused. Yeah. And we'll see where that goes. Yeah. And right now, you know, this is what I think about too. Someone listens to it who is going through the same thing. Totally. They know exactly how you feel because they're in it along with you. Yeah. And I know I didn't talk about one thing earlier, and just to add it here, that I didn't have to go through with the euthanasia service. I was going to. And I've read that had I done that, there's a whole other level of guilt that comes with it. Oh, yeah. Sure. And people are dealing with that now. And I'm here to say that my plan was to do that. Yeah. Because if your dog is facing just, they're struggling, they're suffering, you see it, you know them. Yeah. You know your creatures yeah. very well, very intimately. I was going to ease that pain. He just made it easier on me in some respect sure. and, and just expired without me doing that. But I could see how that would be another grieving point. And we'll probably have some people on who are struggling with that. And again, I don't have the answers, but talking and sharing can help in that. Yeah. So there's that. And I meant to say that earlier, so... I at least wanted to add that here. No, you're right, though. And that's one of the facets of this whole thing is, like you say, the name of the show, Dog Gone. We've talked about the dog. Now let's talk about the gone. And the gone is how are you dealing with that? How are we dealing with that? The things you have to deal with, like having guilt. Yeah, what if you have to euthanize your dog? And yeah, that may affect people differently. That's not an easy choice to make. It's not an easy thing to do. And it's not an easy thing to recover from. It's it's almost like a secondary recovery needs to take place. Yeah. With that alone. So yeah, there's a lot to un- unpack here and this is only the beginning. So I don't think you should feel pressure, Jason, that no. you got to cover everything on the first episode. <laughs> Believe me, there's going to be all kinds of stuff, which we probably haven't even thought of yet. I don't have the answers. I hope to learn on this journey. You know, listen, you and I weren't 
the world's best podcasters for Let's Talk Cobra Kai episode one. Not that we're the world's best now, but we improved. We learned it. I thought we were pretty good out of the gate. Yeah. But we learned what it was, how to do episodes, how to structure it, how to come back every week with the same energy. and all. So all that's important, right? Well, I want to learn from myself and others. And one thing I'm going to do, I was thinking about this the other day, I'm probably going to keep his Instagram account going. Sure. And share. I were so many photos I never got around to posting. Mm-hmm. And not like daily, but having just some things come out and continue to share. Nico kind of being the, not the spokesperson, but a participant, an honoree on Dog On. And I do want to keep that presence going, at least in the interim, at least for now. So I think I can honor him that way. No, no. I like keeping the memory alive of loved ones, whether two-legged or four-legged. I love the movie Coco. And the movie Coco talks about Mm -hmm. when we forget our ancestors is when they're really gone. As long as you remember them, you keep their memory alive, they are alive. You know, so think about Nico, remember him, look at his pictures. I'm a big fan of that. Keep his memory alive. Well, that's all I have, Sal. I can't thank you enough for going on this uh, journey with me. First episode of Dog Gone. Couldn't have done this without you. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And um, I'm besides myself that you would even have me on here. You know, I didn't need, quote unquote, need to be here. So thank you for thinking of me. And believe me, hey, people that are grieving animals, dogs, any animal, I can relate. Believe me, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. So my heart's go out to all of you. Rest in peace, Nico. And my condolences, Jason, to you and Sophia. Thank you. And I was about to say, rest in peace, Nico. I was like, I have to throw that in there. So thank you for, for doing that. So thank you so much for listening, and please be sure to subscribe to the Doggone Podcast as well as the Doggone YouTube Live channel. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast, send us a direct message, or post a comment on any Doggone social media platform. We also highly recommend checking out our other podcast and visiting Just Curious Media dot com.